Yeah, we are in the greatest hits. And uh, one thing that the teachers know is that you guys won't remember anything we say other than you will remember the stories we tell um, as illustrations kind of around what we're saying, right? We know that you'll remember our stories the most. But I did have one teaching where people remember one line out of the teaching. So that makes it the greatest hit right off. Um, it's from the Lord's Prayer, and I did it in 2001 and in 2006 and in 2009 is what I can, as far as I can tell. Um, and every time it's the same one line that people remember. And so I promise that line is in here, but I changed everything else because you're not going to remember any of that anyway. So uh, we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer and eventually about three-fourths of the way through we will get to the magic line that you'll remember and, and you'll say, oh, I'm glad I came. Uh, well, I hope you do. <laughs> I hope you do. So uh, I want to also tell you that I still meditate on, ponder the Lord's Prayer multiple times a week. I, I, I just think that the Lord's Prayer is an amazing uh, piece of Scripture and an amazing thing that Jesus gave to us. So I have a slide here. It's, it's the second, the one after that. Um, which is, here's the things that when I ponder it, these, the yellow words are the words that I think are interesting. <laughs> yeah. In other words, it's all. It is all, every single thing of it. And so in my notes right here, I have over an hour's worth of teaching that last night I re realized, oh, I don't have an hour's worth of time. Caravan's coming back. So I don't know. This is going to be fun. This is going to be an adventure. We are going to cut most of that out, and we're just going to focus on a few things. But I promise I won't cut the magic line later. All right, so here's the Lord's Prayer. It starts, in my mind, it has five sections to it. Line number one, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Line number two, the kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Line number three, give us this day our day of the bread. Then, then forgive us our debts as we forgive others. And then lead us not in temptation. That's kind, of the, that's kind of the structure as I work through it many, many mornings. So this morning, we're going to be able to talk about line one and line four, okay? That's all we're going to be able to get to. Uh, because it is so, it is so deep. And, and, it will, and it will, I hope, cause you to think some thoughts that you hadn't thought before that are going to help you as you move into your day. So I'm going to, I also decided to do this a little bit interactively. I know some people sometimes have a hard time staying with me. And so a little bit interactive. I'm going to ask you a question to think about. And then we're going to look at how the Lord's Prayer helps you answer that question. So question number one, or series of question number one. What is our relationship with God like? How do we interact with him? What is our posture supposed to be before God, with God? Are we supposed to be like face down on the ground? There's plenty of scriptures like that, right? Where God comes in and people are just face down on the ground. Or are we supposed to um, be on our knees? Are we supposed to be honoring? Are we supposed to be like really um, resolute or, or uh, serious? Or, or on the other way, are we supposed to be like buddies with him, you know, like Jesus is my homeboy kind of baloney? Uh, what is it? What is it? How are we supposed to interact with God? This, this question was really controversial, really uh, important in the days of the Jews, in the, in the days of these, these, um, these disciples who were following Jesus around. As, a, as an aside, as a, by the way, I, I, you might not know this, you might know this. At one point in scripture, uh, the disciples just asked Jesus, how do we pray? Teach us how to pray. And this is in Luke, and he gives them this prayer. 
Another point in scripture is Matthew. That's where we get, that's where most of us know the Lord's Prayer from. In Matthew, in chapter six, Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mount and in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, this is how you should pray. So this is like a model. This is like a a how-to lesson. And so Jesus is right off the bat answering this question. How do we have a posture before God? Because it was, a, it was a big, hard question. And it's still a question today, right? How casual can we be? How formal should we be? And there's just this great mix of those things that should exist. And so Jesus starts off this prayer with these two words, our Father. And there's two interesting things that are there, our and Father. He just starts right off telling them something kind of surprising. One thing surprising that he tells them is, this is corporate. This is a group. This is inclusive. And for them, that was even more radical because their teaching that they had been handed down is more and more and more inclusive, more and more and more exclusive of other people. You You should have a smaller and smaller group of people kind of who approach God. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Our, our, this is for everyone. This is big. As you approach God, you should be aware of the fact that you are approaching him with all of creation. Our Father. This is not how a lot of us pray, right? A lot of us pray, God, help me, help me, help me. I want this. Our Father is a real contrast to how we often think about it. And then Father gives us this great image of of the one who loves us, the one who is for us, the one, the dad. Jesus' word here is incredibly uh, uh, intimate, kind of informal. And and when you hear the Lord's Prayer today, our Father who art in heaven, it sounds formal, right? The the, the translation we have has kind of reformalized it, if that's a way of saying. But the word Jesus used was very informal. Dad, our dad. Our dad. And and there's so many things that you can unpack inside of that. This good father who loves you, who wants the best for you. Do you ever sit and pray and think, God actually wants the best for my life. He that's what he desires, like a dad wants it for a kid. I want the best. So there's this feeling of love, this feeling of generosity, this feeling of I am for you that's in there. There's also a feeling of the creator, the originator. See, one thing that Jesus is my homeboy kind of misses is it puts us on peers, whereas our father gives us this, the the creator, the originator, the strength and the power of God. So this approach, this start of this prayer is already fascinating. Our corporate Father who loves us all, who wants the best for the world, who wants the best for us, and who created it, who is the originator of it. Do you feel that? Do you feel that power that's in there? So that's, that's our posture towards God. Now, second question. Where is he? Where's heaven? Think about it harder than you just did. Because if I just ask you, hey, where's heaven? A lot of you would be like, right? But think about it harder than that. Think about it deeper than that. Where is it? Have you ever wondered, where is it? How far away is it? What direction is it? Where? It starts to boggle your mind a little bit, doesn't it? 
Where is heaven? And I think, I think this is an incredibly important question for you to ponder because I think the answer that you have to this question that you rarely ask yourself is really important to how you see the world, how you move through the day. Where is it? So Jesus just says next, who art in heaven, who is in heaven? But I think if we don't think about this, we're just gonna think that means who's somewhere out there, who's somewhere away from us. So think, your honest opinion, your honest ideas. What do you think about where it is? How far is it? Does God watch us from where he is? Is it like on satellite TV? Is he like watching a screen? Is he able to interact with us if he chooses to? Is he, can, what, how, can he, how can he deal with us? We tell our kids, Jesus or God is in your hearts. What does that mean? What does that mean? And here's what I think. And this is, what, this is something that I ponder a lot. I think heaven is right here in and amidst every atom, every molecule, every grain of reality that God is in and amongst and between all of that. I think that, there, the, that this world that we experience every day, that we think of is in, in these three dimensions that we can see and feel and touch, I think those three dimensions are only three out of more dimensions that exist. And those more dimensions contain or might be where heaven is. I think that we know now that 95% of all mass of the universe, 95% of all the mass of the universe is something we have absolutely no idea what it is. We call it dark energy, dark matter. It's not, we don't call it dark because it's, it's something that doesn't emit light. We call it dark because we're dark. We have no way of seeing it. We have no way of understanding what it is. All we know is that it affects things. It pulls stars and planets. Now, I'm not making an argument that dark matter is God. I'm just saying that if you can think that 95% of mass, 95% of the weight of the universe is something that we have absolutely no idea what it is, that that same kind of thinking can tell you God is in and amongst all of it. Between every atom, between every electron and proton is God. Right? And the Bible comes along with this. The Bible never says dark matter. <laughs> but listen to this. There's a place in Numbers where Moses is, do I have this right? Who would be talking to God? <laughs> where Moses is talking to God and he's saying, uh, please God, forgive the people because we're all out in the desert and they're bad. They were knuckleheads again. And so he's saying, please God, forgive them. And God says, I will. I will. I have forgiven them. Nevertheless, and this is just this interesting phrase in here. God says, nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, on and on. What God wants you to know about him in this moment is, I fill the earth. As surely as my presence fills the earth, I will do this. 
Later we get in Isaiah. Isaiah see in this vision and the angels are talking and the angels are saying, holy, holy, holy. And then what do they say? They say, the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. Again, the thing they want you to know, the main point they want you to know is God is holy and he fills the earth. This word, this glory that they used in both of those is kabod. And kabod is glory, but it also has the sense of weight, of heaviness. The heaviness the weight of God fills the earth. We live heavy with God. Our Father, who art in heaven, can sometimes lead your mind to our Father, who is clear somewhere out there. I have no idea where, and I wish he would show up. Huh? That isn't at all what Jesus said. Our Father, whose chabod, whose weight, whose glory, fills it. Who is pushing down on you with his glory. Who is everywhere, in and amongst every atom that you have. That Father who cares for you and wants you is in it all. God, that sets me off differently, right? That moves me into my day differently. And I... I'm getting a bit wound up, but I think you really should know and should feel God's presence as you walk through your day. So I think when you pray, our Father who art in heaven, you should be aware that it is everywhere and heavy weight on you. All right. <laughs> Isn't this fun already? Here's some more questions. What is God like? If he's filling it, if he's filling us, what is he like? What is his character like? What's his fundamental being like? And this is where Jesus says, holy is your name. So he's stringing these three things together, right? Our Father, this one who created us, this one who wants the best for us, fills all of our space, fills all of the earth, and is holy. That's really important to add on because I think you could imagine a scenario where you have a father who's filling everything and is not good, right? And is not all for you and is not perfect. You could have an imagination where those exist. And so, God, and so Jesus rounds out this phrase by saying, holy is your name. And, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and in the and in the Jewish way of thinking and speaking, the word name means you, who you are, your fundamental character. Holy is your name. You are fundamentally holy. Oh, I mean, I mean, when I get there in the morning, I'm so excited. The chabod, the glory of God is filling every, every inch, every square, and it's holy. It's good. It's pure. I'm pausing because I have little, like little tears in my eyes. It is, so, it is so holy in that moment to think of God all around and filling us and holy. And in fact, I'm going to skip the next section, but I just, I can't totally skip, I just can't. Uh, because it leads us into then, what, what else would you want except for his will to be done, his kingdom to come, right? What else would you want at that point? This is such a great anecdote to us praying only about ourselves. Give me this, give me that, give me this, do this. No, once you get through with that first line, it naturally leads you into, please, what you're doing should be done. 
right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. It just leads us there. I'd love to say more about that. But I'm going to skip to our daily bread. Here's where the money line is, in case you've been waiting, in case you've just been ignoring everything else. First, though, I'm going to ask you these questions. What can you expect from God? What can you trust him for? Can he be trusted? Really? To what extent can he be trusted? Ask yourself this. If you're just thinking about money, about food that you're going to eat, about supplies that you have, how many supplies, how much money do you have to have on hand before you start trusting God? (laughs) Okay, just admit that what I said doesn't make any sense and yet makes perfect sense, right? How much money, how much bread, how much soup do you have to have in the cupboards before you'll start trusting God? Is it like a week? Is it a month? Is it a year's worth? I'll tell you mine, 15 years, 15 years. No, I'm not a hoarder. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm really, I'm really thinking a lot about retirement. I'm really thinking a lot about like, I have got to build up this nest that is gonna allow me to not work anymore and retire. And how am I gonna do that? And I'm calculating the number of days of soup that I'm gonna have to eat to retire. And I just have to have that on hand. I, just, I, I will feel so good. And once I get that, once I've reached that number, I'm just going to be happy. I'm just going to trust God from there on out. Wow, I'm dumb. Man, man alive. So, and, and once, when uh, I, I've been laid off a couple of times. You guys all know all the ups and downs of all that. But it, once when I was laid off, we got a... Uh, what do you call that? When you get a check to leave, like, please go away, here's your check. What do you got, a separation thing? Severance, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It, took, it doesn't feel like that, it feels like, leave us, please. Uh, but I was asking my wife, how many days is that? How many days is that? Jesus comes along with this just unbelievable thing. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Here's the sentence. Here's the, here's the rephrasing of that that maybe you'll remember. Give me today today's bread. Give me today today's bread. This prayer of Jesus is so amazing. Give me today today's bread. He's referring back to this time in Exodus when, the, when again, the, Egypt, when our, uh, the Israelites are out in the desert and they're hungry, and God says, I will provide for you. And what does he provide? He provides them manna and quail. And, the, and this is how it works with the manna. He says, the manna is gonna come every morning, and you guys, and it's gonna be like kind of like a bready thing that the, that the uh, Jews called the what is it? Because <laughs> they're like, what? Anyway, every morning, this manna is gonna appear on the ground, and God says this, I want you to go out and collect one day's worth one day's worth. I want you to collect one day's worth of this bread and bring it home. And he says, I'm doing this to test you. Oh, okay. And so here's how it works. They go out and they collect a day's worth and they bring it home. Now, if they collected more than one day's worth, it rotted and got maggots in it and smelled and everyone around could say, hey, you don't trust God so much, do you? You weren't very trusting. You weren't very faithful. And Moses warns him. He says, hey, this is what's going to happen. You go and collect too much, it's going to rot. People are like, 
okay, whatever, but I got to eat tomorrow, so I'm going to collect more. And the next morning, maggots rot, smell, Moses is mad at him. Give us today, this is the point God was making, give us today, today's bread. This is a kind of trust that God is wanting. This is a kind of trust that God is that God is trying to build into us. This is what Jesus is talking about in this part of the prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, give us today, today's bread. I'm gonna look at, try to find in my notes anywhere of where I am, because somewhere, ah, I'm not gonna find it. I wrote down, you guys can look it up. Whatever he says in Luke is really like give today, today's bread. Give us just today, today's bread. I, I, I don't even know, really, when I sit down and ponder and pray this, I don't even really know where to go with that. I know that that's what God is asking. I know that that's the kind of trust that I should have. I don't, what I don't know, and it's because I live here in the United States, I don't know exactly what that's supposed to mean for me in terms of thinking about retirement. I mean, obviously I'm supposed to still plan. Obviously I'm supposed to still, still uh, uh, work. But there's something that we don't quite get around to when we're here in the United States in this land of plenty. Where it's hard for us to figure out what it would actually mean to live in such a way where we, we, we can pray I just need for you to give me today, today's bread. And I just think that's a thing worth pondering. I think it's a thing that is worth uh, some of your mental time. It's worth working through as you start to get anxiety about what's going on. As you start to get anxiety about about what the future of your kids is going to be, what the future of your grandkids is going to be, what the future of your job is going to be, what the future of X, Y, and Z is going to be. Yes, I should think about that. Yes, I should take some proactive steps. And yet, give me today, today's bread. I don't need to know the answers to those questions out there. I just need to trust that you're going to be there. Give me today today's bread while I'm on this phrase I, I do I think of it in two other ways one is that just about material goods but there you can't get to this phrase talking about bread and not think about the Eucharist not think about communion at least a little bit because the other major way that bread is used in the scriptures is to represent salvation to represent Jesus and his, and his, what he did for us, All right? And so when I get to this part, I always think about communion. Give me today, today's communion. Give me today, today's salvation. So within that picture, there's a couple of things. One is just this gathering, which brings us a little bit back to our Father. Salvation is this gathering of people where, where all throughout the scriptures, it's talked about as, I'm bringing you back, I'm bringing you in. So I think of, give me today, today's gathering in. Give me today, today's recollecting. Bring me, draw me closer back to you. 
But then also in communion is power, the power that Jesus brings. So I'm also thinking that. Give me today the power, the empowerment that that bread brings. As I eat, as I, as I worship, as I think, bring power into me. Give me today, today's power. Okay. What I want us to do, can you see it? Is it big enough? Yeah, what I want us to do is to, is to say this prayer together. And I would love to invite you to continue to bring it home with you and to try to think through, like, what were, what, were, what were the sentences Kurt didn't talk about? And what might they mean if I rethink about them? If I don't just hear them the way I've always heard them, but I, but I ponder them a bit in my heart. So let's say this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm gonna pray. Our Father, the one who is for us, who is smiling on us, who wants the best for us, who is here, whose, whose weight fills the room, whose glory is everywhere, and who is holy. We, we come to you thankful and excited about your presence and praying that where you're going is where we're going and that we could follow you there and that we could, that we could help you there and that along the way we could trust you. And we pray now for uh, this final set of us coming and singing worship to you. Thank you. Amen.